Welcome to the Connectivity Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Connectivity team at Newco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the newly rebranded The Connectivity Matters podcast. Um, your hosts today are me, Alistair Wilson, and Dan Jeffrey, consultants in our connectivity team here at Nuco. And today we are delighted to be joined by Chris Lennertz. Uh, Chris is currently the Vice President of Product Management for Mobile Services at iBasis. Um, he's had an incredibly successful career within the telecommunications industry, spanning over the last 20 years with a focus on strategic planning, business development and product management. Chris has also recently been voted number 20 in the top 100 most influential figures in the telco industry. So a big welcome to Chris and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Alastair. I, I need to start with a small correction. Who is number 18 actually? <laughs> number 18. Yeah. <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> Even Fantastic. better, Chris. Even, Even better. <laughs> Great. So, Chris, we'll kick off in pretty much the same way we do with every guest by asking you, how did you first get into the connectivity industry? Uh, well, I graduated from uh, university on electrical engineering with specialty in telecommunications and, and radio communications, satellite communications, that kind of stuff. Did all kinds of difficult theses around predicting field strength uh, of uh, satellite signals when you're moving with your car through an urban area. And from that space, I was joining Ericsson in 1995 already, where I was product manager for all kinds of access, uh, HDSL, VDSL, ADSL, five to the home, radio, those, those kinds of things. And that's basically where I ran into the whole connectivity space and never left since. Fantastic. Great. And so one thing I was keen to kind of know through through the career that you've had is, is what would you say your biggest achievement was? My biggest achievement, career-wise or personal? Career-wise, I think you mean. Both, they can be uh, either. That's kind of intertwined, <laughs> as you will probably find out during the course of the podcast. <laughs> Not no, either, both greatest, or either. My greatest achievement was that uh, when I started at iBasis, uh, we didn't have a really good market share. I think we were in the two or three percent or something. And uh, well, now we're number three uh, with around 10 to 15 percent. Um, and there are like 25 or 30 uh, uh, companies in the space. So that's that's really that's really a challenge and really a good a good achievement. And we've been winning all kinds of awards. Uh, with all kinds of intelligence analysts in this space. So apparently we're doing something right. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Fantastic. Um, so Perfect. And uh, what technologies do you think has had the biggest impact on the industry? Yes, one. Is it, in, in all those years that I've been working for telecoms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you well, say has kind of transformed the most? That's a, that's a very simple one. That's IP. It sounds, what makes it sounds made, because when I started, nothing was IP. Everything was TDM, right? Everything was circuit switched. We had circuit switch voice. Uh, HDSL was two megabit per second uh, up and down. Uh, things were still on ATM back then. 
uh, that was all very exciting. And when when IP came around, that completely revolutionized not not the cost of the network only and the nature of the network, but also the way the network, uh, the telecoms network, uh, opened itself to a lot of different players because suddenly the internet and the telecommunications became one, and a lot of new players came in. And the whole the whole over the top. Uh, cloud stuff that we're discussing right now started back in the 90s when the internet was opened up and that completely revolutionized the telecoms industry. So it's, and I know it's long, it has been a long time, but if you ask me that question, that in my lifetime, what has been the biggest disruption and the biggest impact is definitely IP. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and jumping forward to, to, the, well, to the present and perhaps a little bit into to the future as well. Um, what impact do you think 5G's had and, and where do you see that kind of progressing? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a comparable uh, disruptive uh, impact. Well, 5G is not only taking IP to a whole new level, obviously. Uh, it's, it's, it's a evolution and revolution at the same time. So if you look at evolution, it's just, it's just more bandwidth. Right, three G was already more bandwidth than two G, and four G was already more bandwidth than three G, and five G is more bandwidth than four G, and it keeps going on and on. But the most important thing is that five G kind of revolutionizes the way we look at networks. Right, it's four G was still a a point network, if you will, and then the whole virtualization came around, and now with five G you can make virtual networks from end to end, spanning multiple networks. So the whole network slicing will become very interesting if you look at specific IoT service providers or uh, enterprises that need in specific end-to-end -end connectivity with a specific uh, quality of service or other parameters that you would normally do with a dedicated network. Uh, but now you can do it over the 5G network and just reserve a specific slice for that which makes it very interesting to have really one network that does it all. And that will change the way we use the, uh, the telecoms network for all kinds of third parties, suddenly. Uh, so the whole fourth uh, industrial wave is really building on what 5G can, can, can give it. And that, that's what you see with the advent of private networks, private 5G networks. If you look at the uh, predictions for private networks, it could be hundreds and even thousands of private networks that are being built. For example, airports. How logical is it for an airport to have your own network, given the fact that you have so many tourists or, or travelers in general to, uh, to, to, to transport next to all those suitcases that you need to transport, all those logistics that you need to do, all those fleet management stuff that you need to do. So, how great would it be to have a network for yourself to do that? So there is a, will be an enormous proliferation of private 5G networks to really uh, give a new boost to the to the whole way we automate the industry. Fantastic. So I mean, I think maybe you might have answered this already, but what you know is are there any techs on the horizons um, of you know either 5G or moving even? further into the next generations. Is there anything that you, you're most excited about in particular? Anything I'm most excited about? Well, from a roaming perspective, it's um, it, it's very exciting. Uh, it's, it's challenging and exciting at the same time, because on one hand, there will be even more bandwidth, which is great, because that's exactly what we need. <coughs> on the other hand, there's yet another new technology which is coming in. And what we did right when LTE came along, 
because LTE went from um, TDM to IP. It went from SS7 signaling to diameter signaling. Now, we were really good for us because at that time, we didn't have market share, a lot of market share. And you know that the disruption is always good for the challenger and not good for the leader. At that time, we were a challenger. So we took the opportunity. We took the opportunity of the disruption of uh, IP coming to signaling. And we made a name for ourselves and we built a solution uh, earlier than anybody else. And, and uh, that's why we became number three. Now with 5G, this happens again. So this time we are leader, which means that it could be a threat and opportunity at the same time. So this time we go from diameter signaling to something that is called HTTP2 signaling. So yet another disruption. So there will be a lot of companies that will think, hey, wait a minute, what iBasis did 10 years ago, we can do now. So let's do to them what they did to others. Um, so that's challenging. <laughs> <coughs> but we need to, um, but we, that's also, that's also uh, an opportunity for ourselves, right? Because we're still not number one. And uh, we, can, we can still get a lot of market share by doing this game right again. But there's a lot of, there's a lot more disruption this time to uh, to 5G than just the signaling changing its name. There's also a lot more interesting use cases in roaming that will make you rethink the way we think about roaming. Because today roaming basically means the traffic goes home from the visitor network and is being handled there by the home operator. That takes... 100 milliseconds in some cases, if you have to go from Singapore to Amsterdam, for example, just, just an example. However, if you have a self-driving car, that's not an option. The traffic cannot go halfway the globe and then come back because that 100 millisecond is simply not acceptable. The latency of 5G for some specific use cases that all have to do with machine to machine or IoT should go down to less than 10 milliseconds. So that means that the traffic will need to stay in that specific region, or in some cases, very close to the base station. So that means that you have to start working with uh, with MEC, uh, with local breakout, with gotcha. applications being uh, run very close near the base station, which is MEC, to make that happen. Uh, which means a rethink of the way we think about roaming. So that's what we're also thinking about. It's going to be very interesting to see how all this, these varieties of use cases yeah. will need a variety of solutions because the way roaming works will be very different than 10 years ago when there were no devices, but just people going on holiday and using their phone. So that's going okay, to be fantastic. No, great. Thanks for kind of giving that insight there. Um, so I think it'd be good if we could kind of move on to this new addition that we have to the podcast. And um, we're calling it the topic that matters. Um, so one thing that we're going to be covering is kind of just hot topics within the connectivity industry. And we have touched on it um, kind of in the peripheries of what we've been talking about. But what I was very keen to kind of get is your insights on IoT. Um, you know, we're seeing lots and lots of startups um, which have all of these tiny little IoT solutions. Um, seems like everyone uh, has has a very niche solution. Do you, do you think that these things are relatively gimmicky or do you think that IoT realistically has long lasting applications within society? I think it has long-lasting applications within society because it makes, as I said, it, it, it is it is one of the building blocks of the fourth industrial revolution where you have to yeah. uh, automate a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
and and and, and being able to make people's lives a lot a lot easier. Uh, for example, if you could think about self-driving cars, if you could think about remote surgery and that kind of stuff, that is that is something that is more than just an M2M device like a lamppost that being switched on <laughs> remotely. So you could think of all kinds of uh, of applications that are really becoming um, very critical, and that's why in the 5G standardization there has been made a a. A threesome set of applications where IoT is not just IoT. IoT is split out between massive IoT, they call that MMTC, massive machine type communications, and URLLC, uh, was it ubiquitous or ultra reliable low latency communications. And that means a specific subset of applications that really require a very specific set of quality service parameters like bit error rate or latency or jitter or that kind of stuff to be able to do things like remote surgery or self-driving cars or anything that you can think about. So that is something that will not go away and will even drive the whole roaming industry or the, um, or the industry altogether. Because if you look at the sheer magnitude of, of devices that will be out there, I think it was Intel or Ericsson that 10 years ago already predicted that it will be like 50 billion devices. Well, I think we're coming pretty close. And that is, of course, dwarfing the 7 uh, billion devices that we're using as humans. But the interesting thing is that, that the traffic pattern will be very different. The way we use phones is, of course, very predictable. It's just using more bandwidth, but still at the same time. But devices behave very differently. They don't care about uh, borders. They don't care about days or day or night. They just they just function as they should function. And that's also very interesting because you saw that during the pandemic, where the roaming traffic didn't collapse. Well, it went it, it went away partly, of course, but it didn't go back to zero. It went back to what 30, 40 percent. So that means that there are still there are a lot of devices out there that are already taking care of a very significant piece of traffic of applications that are really useful for for men so not it's not a, it's not a, it's not a hype it's something that is yeah. is real and will be even more serious absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and you mentioned uh, latency and le needing less than the, the 10 milliseconds how does the industry achieve this well <clears throat> as i said um if you want to have a device that has latency of less than 10 milliseconds. I think you can calculate what the distance then should be with the speed of light. I think that's a couple of hundred kilometers maybe or a couple of 10, 10 kilometers. <coughs> so that means that the application needs to run near the, um, near the base station, which means that you have to build an edge cloud. And that's why it's called MEC multi-access edge cloud, where the application is not running somewhere on the globe and somebody somewhere else accesses it. No, a copy of that application has to be running near the base station in the cloud, such that the communication between the application and the, and the device is a couple of 10 kilometers such that you achieve that, uh, that very low latency. So that's, that's, that's the most uh, extreme version of doing that kind of stuff, <laughs> obviously. Um, in the meantime, there are of course 99% of all applications are somewhere in the middle. So for example, from a roaming perspective, what we already do is of course that we peer 
with our peers, with our IPX peers in the region. So for example, if you don't peer in a region, if you only peer in AMSIX, in Amsterdam, that means that uh, if you have a home and a visitor network that are both, both in Asia, one is with iBasis and the other one is with competitor X, and iBasis and competitor X only peer in Amsterdam, the traffic first needs to go to Amsterdam and then back. Well, that doesn't work. So what we do is we, we peer everybody locally. So we peer in Singapore. So the traffic only needs to go to Singapore. It's being exchanged with the peer, and then it goes. That's that's one example of, of, of how you can address these things in a, in, a, in a simple way. There's another example where we have a customer that uh, um, is the connectivity provider for uh, a lot of big brands. Uh, the customer is, is Cubic from, from Ireland, and uh, the brands that he has is, for example, the Volkswagen Group, where every Volkswagen uh, and, and Audi, for that matter, uh, drive around with a, with a module from Cubic that takes care of all the communication, not only the communication for navigation or the communication about the health of the car, but also, for example, the in-car entertainment and, uh, and, and, and internet traffic. So, and that all happens from Europe. But if the car is driving around in Singapore, that doesn't work because he will need his local websites from Singapore. So we need to prevent that traffic first goes to Europe and then comes back because that will be the normal way it would happen in roaming. So we built for him a breakout solution where the traffic will stay neatly in the region and the latency is good enough. Absolutely. And that's great, great insights. And, and thank you for those um, there, Chris. So it would be good to get your opinions on diversity. And um, so since starting your career, how um, have you seen things improve or, or have they actually improved in the industry? I think it has improved dramatically. Uh, the, you know that the telecom space has traditionally been uh, overwhelmed by men, obviously. I can remember that when I studied electrical engineering, we had like 100 people and one of them was female. That got a lot better, of course, when I went to Ericsson. And now these days, we in iBasis, we have a very good diversity scheme where at least 30% uh, are now female and also we are working with a multitude of ethnicities and nationalities uh, in our teams um, and that's, that's really nice especially because we have had a, um, a, a history of, of acquisition of companies from all across the globe so it is very interesting to see what the combination of, of, of nationalities is uh, in our company and especially the way they interact and how we can learn from each other because I think that's that's the most important thing, to, to broaden your horizon and to learn from other cultures to see how they deal with specific things and how they see you deal with specific things because you been, have been used to that uh, all of your life. And now if you see that that being different, that means that you have to be more reflective of, of yourself, which I think makes you a better person. Especially if you're Dutch yeah. and you say everything that you... That, that you feel, and I'll be very honest, with, <laughs> which in principle is, 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 a good, is, a, is a good thing to have, but in some cultures that simply doesn't work because that, that's not done. Uh, so if you are wary and conscious of that fact, I think you mm -hmm. can be more, much more effective. Okay, fantastic. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it sounds like, you know, it has, has improved quite a lot from your perspective. Is, is there anything that you think that we could be doing differently to perhaps make it that bit better? Um, yeah, I think 
if for if for example, if I look at my daughters who are teenagers, right, 18 and 15, <laughs> they don't care at all about the telecom space. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't see it. Obviously, it's something hidden because they only see TikTok and, and, and phones and then yeah. things, and they don't know how it functions within. Um, so it would be great if we would get that generation more interested in the exciting world of, of connectivity because it is very exciting, but they will never learn it until they are a part of that industry for some reason. And from, mm-hmm. from the outside, I don't think they find it very interesting. That's why. It's also not very easy to get uh, a lot of a lot of good young people in, and then you're a recruitment company, so you know you know what, what that means. Mm. But it, it's it's not an easy thing, and that is, I think, because we don't do a good enough job of promoting ourselves to to say how interesting this space could be, even if you are only 25, <laughs> and even if you didn't study electrical engineering or math or, or something else. Gotcha, gotcha. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We, we think it's a really important topic, so we, we try to address it um, whenever we do these. Um, fantastic. So perhaps moving on to something that's a little bit more uh, personal to yourself, um, something that we always try to ask everyone is uh, what their perfect weekend is. So what does it look like for you? Well, the weather should be good to start with. <laughs> um, perfect weekend. I think a perfect weekend is when you start with doing all kinds of uh, practical things during the day. You round it off at about one or two o'clock so that you have a good feeling about yourself that you did something in the house. And after that, uh, you start relaxing. Um, and the way I can relax is by cooking, actually. So I love to go shopping and be creative about uh, some nice Italian or Mexican meal that I can make. And then uh, have a couple of drinks in the veranda or in the garden uh, to think about what to make and then start cooking with a glass of wine with it and then have a nice dinner with friends or family, preferably outside if the weather is good. Uh, and that's that sounds like a perfect video to me. Fantastic. Great. No, it's good to kind of uh, find out what people like to get up to in in their spare time and outside of work, especially. Um, So I think what I'm going to do now is perhaps pass you over to Dan to do a bit of a quick fire round. Um, Kind of got to think on your feet a little bit. Um, So I'll let Dan run you through some of those. Super. Thanks, Alistair. Uh, So city or country, Chris? City or country? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, Country. Mountain peaks or bright sunny beach? Bright sunny beach. Cardio or weights? Wait. Espresso or latte? Espresso. Morning or evening? Evening. Wine or beer? Wine. White or red? Red. And then finally on food, Italian or Mexican? Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I had to get you with that one. <laughs> oh, that's mean, Italian. <laughs> Super. Uh, th- thanks for that. So I think that pretty much wraps it up from me. Fantastic, great. Um, so we're moving on now to to the final question um, of the podcast. Um, so what is the one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who wants to enter into the industry or has just entered the industry? 
Uh, that's a good one. A piece of advice. Don't be scared. Just do things. Go for it. Uh, keep your youthful enthusiasm and ambition and never lose it. And then why do I say that? I think, and that all refers back to the diversity question you asked before. Uh, there are too many companies I have seen where we're full of middle-aged people in general. I will make the traditional remark, but there are other, other adjectives that belong to that. And, and I, I think they have their specific value, but I think the energy and uh, fearlessness of somebody who's 25 and just came out of university and just goes for it and does things is something that we don't have anymore. And that's fine. Everybody has their own things. So, uh, and I would say to somebody who still has that, uh, never lose it. Just go for it. Make mistakes. Uh, because that's the only way you will get out of your comfort zone and stay out of your comfort zone because that's it. That's the only, that's the only area where you will ever grow. Fantastic. Great. No, thanks for giving that insight. Um, so that pretty much wraps everything up uh, for today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Chris. Um, it's been great having you. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.